Blog Talk Radio. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. I am the soul that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know you're not from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I'ma remain a soldier till the war is gone. Gone. By taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. We think, just let me think. Expect, even now, orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. Damn it! Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words are for the means to meaning and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? You designed it, sir. You wanted it foolproof. You told me every television in London. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and depression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have senses and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and selecting your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which can 
inspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic, you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Suttler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Inspect again after a fashion while people are busily trying to get into the ever so efficient BTR chat. So tonight we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about freaks, frankens, idiots, and PC. Now if you look up at the show notes, you will see a thing that I found, and I don't even recall where I found it. It was, I think it was in a zero hedge comment section. But I believe it is advice well taken. So if you have a minute, whilst you're watching the pretty pictures roll through, take and read it. And then... After we kick this thing off the way we always do, we will begin tonight's madness and possibly a rant or two. So, stand by. And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and, and all, the, all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems a certain voodoo priest who who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses.
All right. So, here we are at the end of another week, remarkably newsless as usual, aside of a couple things here and there. Thinking, and uh, for those of you who are not subscribers to Caravan to Midnight, I would urge you to consider it. I listened to a program today, uh, and it was a long one. It was like three and a half hours. And it was a guy who was a former CIA operative and an operator, and who was, who turned down the job to do the OKC bombing. And all the things that we've talked about here over the last few years, and, and especially, you know, we, we spent some time uh, going over the OKC bombing and stuff like that. We need to consider that a lot of the research that we've done is becoming validated almost on a daily basis. And a lot of what he was bringing up as far as what he believed was going to be the, the ultimate end had to do with people not necessarily being locked and loaded, but changing their minds about what they were thinking and being open to a different point of view. And I bring that up in relation to uh, we had a another triumphant job re, jobs report, 228,000. Now, if you care to look at a little uh, a little truth. You can click on those links that I just put in the chat room. And when you look at the stats, and while the U3 numbers are sensational and it's the lowest unemployment in, you know, since the halcyon days of GWB and rada, rada, rada. When you get to the number of those people who are not in the workforce, there are more people not in the workforce yet than were in the workforce under all of the years of the prior administration. So in this respect, the beat goes on when we're talking about the powers that be fudging the numbers. There are three different links I put up there. The shadow stats one puts true unemployment 
now, and they they believe that true unemployment are people that are eligible to work but really aren't, and it's still hovering over 20%. Even the U6 number is down to under 10 now, which is the general, well, for those who just don't, that spoon-fed to them by the powers, the U6 numbers are the ones that are closest to reality. I find the shadow stats numbers are interesting and when we talk about and and what the latest government uh, one, which would be the third link I put in the chat room, uh, points out is that there are 95 million people that are not in force. Now, in all honesty, they count in with those numbers. They count pretty much from age of 16 to 64. So you have, you know, a night of a, a small chunk of people that are still in high school who may not be unemployed. They're college people that may not be working. And then you're also bringing in the retired or soon to be retired people into that number. But even if you took a third off the top, you still have over 60 million people that are not being employed gainfully. And if they're not being employed gainfully, then there's something wrong. Now, when we talk about something being wrong, it's like, you know, the lie has become so prevalent and so accepted in our world now that we've come to the point where we briefly look at it, we recognize it as a lie, but we're no longer outraged. We're no longer outraged at the idea that fully a quarter of the people that could have a chance to be employed are not, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. And that is unacceptable in a lot of respects because as the workforce shrinks, government expands, and especially the gimmies, the free shit army, there are fewer and fewer people that have to make up a bigger and bigger portion of the uh, of the bill. Now, earlier this week, I had forth onto the tweets the uh, tax cut calculator. 
and I put it out to a few people and and in you know to my eternal disgrace I neglected to include golf dogs in that thread but it was interesting and it went on we went on just this huge tweet rampage for you know it was probably oh I would say that it probably took an hour before it started to die down is that when you look at it I mean so you're going to you know like I think mine was I think I would have saved 1200 bucks or something like that in taxes on the federal level but currently the government is bringing in over a trillion dollars and upwards getting to the trillion and a half dollars every financial quarter and yet they're still running a deficit and I did some you know I analyzed the the deal for like three minutes and I think I came up and I don't remember what the exact figure was but you know, it was a paltry uh, less than a half, a half. It was in the billions. You know, it was like in $627 billion were, you know, supposedly being returned to the taxpayer. But yet, this still proceeds from the assumption that the government has money and they don't. That's the thing. The only, they can't return money to you because they don't have any. They can't turn it to you because it was never theirs to start with. Secondly, and this is just a personal aside, last night I took three, four hours and I went to wrestling, which is one of my favorite things to do. You know, and it seems kind of odd for a vintage guy such as I am to still be a fan of wrestling at my advanced age. But I find it in a world of malicious lying. And that's the only way you can describe the, the people that lie to us on a daily basis. They do it in a malicious nature. Why a guy of advanced age like myself would be going to do it. <clears throat> and Bob rightly points out it's fun. And it's the same reason we go to movies. It's the same reason we do, you know, anything else, which gives us the ability at some point to suspend belief for the sake of a story. 
And so I bundled myself up and I drove the truck down to South Minneapolis and I took and walked around and noticed how much things have changed in my in the old neighborhoods I used to haunt back in the day. And I went in for some suspension of disbelief for a few hours. I got to see three guys that were sort of on my bucket list of wrestlers to see before it was all over. I got to see Tommy Dreamer, Jimmy Jacobs, and uh, the Monster Abyss. And it was super fun. I was ringside. Tommy Dreamer dropped a guy on the rail right in front of me. Super good. Fine time was had by all. But the other reason I like to go is I talk to these younger folk, let's say, and South Minneapolis is oh so trendy right now. And I was talking to a couple. They were probably in their mid-20s maybe who were at the show. And I was asking, was like, well, you know, do you guys go to a lot of shows and whatnot? And, you know, we talk for a while. And there is a certain amount of unity among the wrestling fan crowd. And in talking to them, you sort of end up getting an idea of what they're doing and how they feel about things. And, you know, a lot of the lines are pretty stark between, you know, what they believe and what I believe. And that all can be... it. I think the thing that impressed me the most about him is that we were able to have a civil conversation even though there was a huge disparity in our ages. And I think that's what, you know, that's what did it for me. And I think that's the real thing about it. And when we look at what goes on around us, can anybody make an argument to me that politics isn't wrestling? I think so. So with all that, I'm going to play you possibly the greatest thing that happened this week. And I would ask that if you want to play along tonight, you certainly can. And I posted the call-in number in the chat room. It is 646-478-4654. But to start with, the greatest thing in news this week, stand by. 
Mr. President. Senator from Minnesota. Thank you, Mr. President. A couple months ago, I felt that we had entered an important moment in the history of this country. We were finally beginning to listen to women about the ways in which men's actions affect them. The moment was long overdue. I was excited for that conversation and hopeful that it would result in real change that made life better for women all across the country and in every part of our society. Then the conversation turned to me. Over the last few weeks, a number of women have come forward to talk about how they felt my actions had affected them. I was, I was shocked. I was upset. But in responding to their claims, I also wanted to be respectful of that broader conversation. Because all women deserve to be heard and their experiences taken seriously. I think that was the right thing to do. I also think it gave some people the false impression that I was admitting to doing things that, in fact, I haven't done. Some of the allegations against me are simply not true. Others I remember very differently. I said at the outset that the Ethics Committee was the right venue for these allegations to be heard and investigated and evaluated on their merits, that I was prepared to cooperate fully and that I was confident in the outcome. You know, an important part of the conversation we've been having the last few months has been about how men abuse their power and privilege to hurt women. I am proud that during my time in the Senate, I have used my power to be a champion of women and that I have earned a reputation as someone who respects the women I work alongside every day. I know there's been a very different picture of me painted over the last few weeks, but I know who I really am. Serving in the United States Senate has been the great honor of my life. I know in my heart that nothing I have done as a senator, nothing, has brought this honor on, on this institution. And I am confident that the Ethics Committee would agree. Nevertheless, today I am announcing that in the coming weeks, I will be resigning as a member of the United States Senate. I, of all people, am aware that there is some irony in the fact that I am leaving while a man who has bragged on tape about his history of sexual assault sits in the Oval Office, and a man who has repeatedly preyed on young girls' campaigns for the Senate with the, with the full support of his party. But this decision is not about me. It's about the people of Minnesota. 
It's become clear that I can't both pursue the Ethics Committee process and at the same time remain an effective senator for them. Let me be clear. I may be resigning my seat, but I am not giving up my voice. I will continue to stand up for the things I believe in as a citizen and as an activist. But Minnesotans deserve a senator who can focus with all her energy on addressing the challenges they face every day. There is a big part of me that will always regret having to walk away from this job with so much work left to be done. But I have faith that the work will continue because I have faith in the people who have helped me do it. I have faith in the dedicated, funny, selfless, brilliant young men and women on my staff. They have so much more to contribute to our country. And I hope that, as disappointed as they may feel today, everyone who has worked for me knows how much I admire and respect them. I have faith in my colleagues, especially my senior senator, Amy Klobuchar. I would not have been able to do this job without her guidance and wisdom. And I have faith, or at least hope, that members of this Senate will find the political courage necessary to keep asking the tough questions, hold this administration accountable, and stand up for the truth. I have faith in the activists who organized to help me win my first campaign and who have kept on organizing to help fight for the people who needed us, kids facing bullying, seniors worried about the price of prescription drugs, Native Americans who have been overlooked for far too long, working people who have been taking it on the chin for a generation, everyone in the middle class and everyone aspiring to join it. I have faith in the proud legacy of progressive advocacy that I have had the privilege to be a part of. I think I've probably repeated these words 10,000 times over the years. Paul Wellstone's famous quote, the future belongs to those who are passionate and work hard. It's still true. It will always be true. And most of all, I have faith in Minnesota. A big part of this job is going around the state and listening to what people need from Washington. But more often than not, when I'm home, I am blown away by how much Minnesota has to offer the entire country and the entire world. The people I've had the honor of representing are brilliant and creative and hardworking, and whoever holds this seat next will inherit the challenge I've enjoyed for the last eight and a half years, being as good as the people you serve. This has been a tough few weeks for me. 
But I am a very, very lucky man. I have a beautiful, healthy family that I love and that loves me very much. I'm going to be just fine. I'd just like to end with, with one last thing. I did not grow up wanting to be a politician. I came to this relatively late in life. I had to learn a lot on the fly. It wasn't easy and it wasn't always fun. And I'm not just talking about today. This is a hard thing to do with your life. There are a lot of long hours and late nights and hard lessons. And there is no guarantee that all your work and sacrifice will ever pay off. I won my first election by 312 votes. Could have easily gone the other way. And even when you win, progress is far from inevitable. Paul Wellstone spent his whole life working for mental health parity, and it didn't pass until six years after Paul died. This year, a lot of people who didn't grow up imagining that they'd ever get involved in politics have done just that. They've gone to their first protest march or made their first call to a member of Congress or maybe even taken the leap and put their names on a ballot for the first time. It can be such a rush to look around a room of full of people ready to fight alongside you, to feel that energy, to imagine that better things are possible. But you too will experience setbacks and defeats and disappointments. There will be days when you will wonder whether it's worth it. What I want you to know is that even today, even on the worst day of my political life, I feel like it's all been worth it. Politics, Paul Wellstone told us, is about the improvement of people's lives. I know that the work I've been able to do has improved people's lives. I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. For a decade now, every time I would get tired or discouraged or frustrated, I would think about the people I was doing this for and would get me back up on my feet. I know the same will be true for everyone who decides to pursue a politics that is about improving people's lives. And I hope you know that I will be fighting alongside you every step of the way. With that, Mr. President, I yield the floor. All right. Well, thank you for hanging in there that long. And I am not going to comment just yet because... 
in the bullpen, a true son of Odin, ready to take his lap, the mighty Folger awakens. <laughs> I I told you specifically I wasn't going to call in tonight, but <laughs> it was wasn't four words into that speech of his, and I was like, okay, I can't take it. I got a call. You know, if if you take the politics out of things, RZ, if you take the policies of Al Franken, you take the ideology of Al Franken, you take all of that out of the mix, okay? You take out of the mix how he even got elected. Take all that out of the mix, and it goes back to what I've always said about Al Franken, that he's a prick and an asshole. As a human being, he is a prick and an asshole. And that speech proved it. Um, I, I made some points here in the fact that in that entire speech, he never admits to any wrongdoing. Okay? He never apologizes for any wrongdoing. Um, just to show you how big a prick and an asshole this guy is, is he's there saying that he's going to resign his seat in the Senate in a few weeks. In a few weeks. Okay? What everybody's got to understand is Al Franken really does believe that he's a couple steps higher than everybody else. He's smarter than you. <laughs> he's he's funnier than you. He's better than you. And by golly, they like him. You know, this this is the arrogance of this jerk in the fact that it's like, okay, I'm going to resign from the Senate. He says later on because they need a senator focused. People in Minnesota need a senator focused on issues. But he's not going to resign for three weeks. Who died and made him king? In that, he says, he says this is not about me. Okay, so after that, after he made the announcement, I went on Twitter and I tweeted to Al Franken and I said, I said, Al, you said it wasn't about me. I said, you're wrong. It is about you. It's about you being a pig. You had to resign because you're a pig. And so the other note I took was that he has the arrogance to say he's going to resign, but he's going to do it when he damn well pleases. Okay, he could I guess he could have said, I'm going to be there for three more months. Then he has the arrogance to basically tell the state of Minnesota and the people of the state of Minnesota who, they're, who, the, who, who his replacement's going to frickin' be, at least the gender. You know, he says, your next senator, she. So obviously, Al's picked a woman. To replace him, I also noticed that he said in there that it's been a tough few weeks for him, but he's going to be fine, okay? He also said it's the worst day of his life. This 
is my point. The guy is the most self-centered jerk. Okay? His wife, how about the worst day of her fucking life? When she's got to sit in front of a nation of people that are all picturing him with his hands on somebody's tits in an airplane. How do you think she felt? Do you think that was the best day of her life, Al? Doesn't even mention his wife. He talks about his family. Doesn't mention the wife. And then just to top it off, I didn't see this, but apparently after he got done or whenever, at some point in time during the proceedings, apparently these Democrat senator women all lined up to go hug Al, crying, oh, Al, you know. The women who called on him to resign because he's such a pig and abusive to women, and they're up there hugging him. You know, you mentioned the victory lap, RZ. It's in true true form, Al Franken couldn't even give me my really my victory lap because <laughs> for a true victory lap, I wanted to see him physically removed from the Senate by a couple of Tea Party groups that were targeted by the IRS. I wanted him thrown down the of the building, bloody up his nose. That would have made it a victory lap for me. Back to you. All right. Well, thank you, Holger. And there's more yet to come. More Minnesota news. So I'm going to just put you back on hold and uh, stand by. Now. Before we get to the regular panelists, I see we have a call in from area code 570. So let's find out what they have to say. Good evening, sir or madam. What say you? Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Um, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to just go keep going on about what we were saying about the Al Franken situation and you know, it's the worst day of his life, but also they'll per- persevere, all that. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. Hello? Hello. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you hit the nail on the head. And the thing for me, with the whole Al Franken situation, you were talking about on the airplane and his wife and all that, you know, totally unnecessary. I mean, it's totally unnecessary for for that person to do. Would you agree? Uh, you mean you're talking about Al doing what he did? Yeah, on that the airplane. Would be totally unnecessary. Well, I mean, anywhere. Yeah. It's really not not acceptable. And right, true. Know, and anywhere. Our friend, our friend Holger was the one that made those points. Yeah, totally true. Uh, regardless of the situation it was in, it's inappropriate anywhere, you know. 
And I remember when Al Franken grabbed my cock and balls and started jerking me off. And there we go. (laughs) You gotta like that. So, anyway, well, let's continue down the line here. Let's bring in ye old gooch. (laughs) Hey, we're getting successful, man. We're starting to get prank calls. That's, That's a success right there. We're starting to get our outreach going, huh? <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Yeah, it's uh, it's a happy day for Minnesota, even though they're just going to put another liberal douche right in that seat again. Um, you know, there's a couple things that struck me, and Holder was right. Uh, he never did mention the women that he actually terrorized. Uh, you know, he'd never say that. Uh, and the Stuart Smalley reference, that's classic, Holder. You beat me to it. But, you know, that, that's, that's your backyard, so I'm going to give you all the glory. Um, Al Franken, a.k.a. Crybaby Jackass, characterized what he had done as either two things, outright lies or they had painted him in a bad light, which, you know, the left is all about theater. Of course, it's total bullshit. Um, and then I remember way back as he was apologizing, I knew this was coming out, I remember there was a, there was a time when he went after Rush, and he said, well, he said, you know, uh, something to the effect of, well, you know, the ride is supposed to be the party of family. But, uh, you know, I mean, Rush has been divorced, what, you know, two times, three times, whatever. I've been married, you know, for over umpteen, you know, years, and, and i got a great family and a loving wife. Um, hey, Al, how's that taste? <laughs> you jackass. Oh, Al. Uh, I um I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if the left got together and they pulled him in the center and they said, uh, Al, uh, you need to be the sacrificial lamb on this one, um, the sacrificial jackass, because uh, in, uh, in 2018, we're going to run with the ladies and we're going to get the bitterest, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to get the bitterest, uh, most visceral uh, bunch of hags out there uh, to just run on the vag card and try to make a, a clean sweep of the house, try to get the House of Representatives back. Um, this might be the the 2018 might be the year of the harpy. I really hope not. I think there's still a lot of smart people in this country who are going to look past what people have between their legs and you know decide on policy. Uh, but go figure, Hillary almost won with those cankles. Um, so we'll see. I. I don't think there's an Amazon conspiracy about to be hatched, but I know more than one person has said it was a move. I mean, everything with the left is strategy. They don't have an honest feeling in their head or their heart. Um, uh, there is no nobility on their side of the aisle, and, and, it's, and sadly a decreasing amount of nobility on, uh, on the right side of the aisle. Uh, futility more but anyway here's what I'm saying I think the left is doing this because they're going to try to force GOP's hand they're going to say hey we got rid of Franken what are you willing to do about your newly elected senator from Missouri and what are you going to do about that guy sitting in the White House and they're going to run like crazy in 2018 on that very uh, you know on on that very um, old challenge I guess Um, never mind the fact that there's absolutely no evidence um in the Roy Moore situation, 
you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of hearsay. You got a lot of testimony. But you know, um, all these years, and this guy gets successful, and it just now comes up. I know the left will hold back on dirt until it's at most effective. I get that, uh, but they also lie their asses off a whole lot. That's why we're still looking after Russia, uh, even though we're not looking at Hillary and uranium. So um, that's that's about what I got, you know. And uh, I think uh, this was not spontaneous. This was planned. This was decisive. This was the left being the left, ingenuous, you know, disingenuous, trying to seem noble. Um, you know, plastic columns and and crocodile tears. You know, an all-inclusive. Uh, work of theatrics that every little leftist parrot out here in the hinterlands are going to repeat, you know, the people that we work with, sadly, some of the people in our family. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, bon voyage, Al. Have fun with your wife and explain to her that, you know, that big grin on your face as you're reaching out for that girl's tits. (laughs) And uh, back to you, RZ. It's a good day. All right. Thank you, Gooch. And on to No Way. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, a couple uh, points first before I, I get to Frankly Frank. Um, when RZ was talking about the unemployment numbers at the start, one thing you got to realize, yes, the U6 numbers are closer to the real thing. But the actual unemployment number, how they come up with the, if it's 4.2, 4.3, is the number of jobs and the number of workers available. So, like um, Holger, I think it was Holger that had put in the chat room, if you work one day a week, you're considered a worker for the numbers for the unemployment numbers to be coming down there are probably some part-time seasonal jobs coming up for the christmas season like always and a few more people believe it or not have fallen off the radar they're no longer looked at part of the workforce see we still only have around 60 to 61 percent of the workforce available to even work So the unemployment is not what they say it is. So don't let them dupe you on that. Now, as for Frankly Frank, this is a guy that he is a typical, full-fledged, communist progressive in America. He's the one that has control of the useful idiots, like, you know, the one we just heard call in. But they control them. And they're also part of the Unholywood crowd. The Unholywood, they have the the youth. They look at what our youth look up to. Look at who they idolize. Look at, they, they just, they idolize these despicable actors and actresses and performers beyond belief. They're getting caught. It's all coming out. God has opened up the floodgates and said, I am going to expose evil for what evil is. Now, those that are surviving on pride and so much pride like Al Franken does, pride goes before the fall. 
He just fell apart, total meltdown, and he just, he just, you are a despicable swamp creature, and you stood there, and the media gave you a platform to spew your ignorance and despicable sliminess to the world. The more you go after those that God is using, the more God will tear you down. Al Franken just destroyed himself beyond belief. Anybody that he tries to back, he's got no credibility left. He's done. All those, you know, there's so many of them going down that now what I see, I feel the left is doing here. As soon as a lot of the left are being caught, they're being caught in the media, they're being caught in Hollywood, they're being the only ones that are not resigning and not bowing down are ones already in Congress. Nobody in Congress is going to bow down no matter what. They are so entrenched into that swamp that they refuse. You're going to have to take them right out kicking and screaming. But now what I've seen coming along, now I understand if the accusations are true or not, that's not their goal. Their goal of the left is like I've always said. The effect of a lie is not that it's untrue, but it's how many people you convince that it is true. So as the left is going down, they're disappearing, they're being wiped from history. And they are going to start coming out. Remember, next year is the full-blown primary season and midterm elections. What do you think the left is going to do to every strong conservative Republican out there? They are going to come forth with one useful idiot after another, and they are going to lie. And they are going to fabricate. And they are going to have the media and they're going to have most of the lefty courts on their side to try to force all conservative candidates running away with their campaigns to resign on the grounds of morals and accusations of sexual harassment and misconduct and everything. You want, it, it's, they're, they're setting it right up because they go, boo. Look how fast Matt Lauer went down. One week he's he's their poster child of glory, and he's standing up to all the filth that's coming out, knowing that his closet door is open, not even realizing, excuse me, not realizing his closet door is opening. Not even a week later, this man is done. NBC has scrambled for two weeks straight to strip this man from ever being part of NBC. He will be wiped from history. This is where they're trying to take the moral high ground. And it it should backfire on him because when you're 20 feet in the ground and you're taking the moral high ground, well, you're still 19 feet in the hole. So there's no way you're seeing above ground. The Democrat Party has exposed itself for what it is. They can try to run. They've lost the American people. They are slowly in all these states losing their voter fraud. Maine is trying to hold up 
the investigations, but it's coming to find out that the Secretary of the State that's holding up the paperwork, well, he's may have some little short dealings of his own that he's trying to cover up himself. All this stuff's coming out. It's being exposed. I know that Trump is not moving as fast as a lot of us would want, and there's a lot of things falling between, you know, between the cracks. But we got to hang on. We got to keep up the pressure, and they're going to they're going to destroy themselves. That's that's clear. They're going to destroy themselves. They they will eat each other up just to try to save something in 2018. That's what I have on that, RZ. Uh, back to you, brother. All right. Thank you, Noe. And let's get John in here real quick and see what he's got. John, what say you? Hey, hey, RZ and all the group. Um, well, I think that, you know, this was bound to come to pass at one point or time where every one of us have had our indiscretions in life and we're going to have to pay the piper and, you know, listen to the music and his day came on this issue just like uh gooch was talking about mr uh judge roy moore i do want to encourage all the alabama folk to be mindful though most of all this stuff is really in my opinion nothing but a distraction it is just to take our focus off of the things they're doing in the background to really crack down and as far as Alabama and Judge Roy Moore, yeah, we know his particular situation is all allegations. As far as he's, you know, from his perspective, hey, the man's innocent until proven guilty. So we either respect the rule of law, you know, which you know we're all living under the rule of man, deceitfully masquerading as the rule of law under the color of law. So we don't have the rule of law. We have the rule of man manipulating everything. But in the true spirit of the rule of law, Judge Roy Moore is innocent until proven guilty. But the distraction even on that is all the media is focusing on trying to make each one of us focus on whether Judge Roy Moore is moral or not. What they're not um, letting you say or, under, or they're not focusing on is saying, hey, compare the Democratic Party platform to the Republican platform because all the issues matter. And on the on the Republican platform, you don't have abortion baby killers where it's okay to shed innocent blood, but they're trying to make it look like Judge Roy Moore is worse, and all of the you know Republican platform is worse just because he's alleged. Well, gee whiz, all the people on the Democrat side they're raising their hand and adjudicating themselves guilty, saying, "Yeah, I did it," uh, you know. So I mean, gee whiz. It just don't be tricked. Look at the look at the full platforms on both sides before you go cast your ballot, and don't just buy into the fact that Mr. Uh, Judge Roy or what they suggest that Judge Roy Moore is guilty. He's innocent until proven guilty, just like the Democrats are too. The Democrats just keep opening their mouths and 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 convicting themselves and saying all their stuff is done. Now, in that regard, to get on track, I want to I want to definitely. Um, Remind everybody, check out PardonSnowden.org. You know, a lot of this stuff with the dark um, shadow government and the deep state and all this crookedness that goes on behind the scenes, we have to give thanks to Edward Snowden. 
HardenSnowden.org, you know, and also Lavoy Finnegan, you know, Ammon Bundy, the Hammonds, these cats, you know, need a great um, uh, lift up or whatever. They need to be remembered. And all of you, I want to remind everybody, at the end of this month, the FISA Section 702 reauthorization comes comes up because it, it expires the 31st of this month. So we need to get our rear in gear and let them know what we want to change or, and get rid of that thing. So they can, they're can they continuing to use the facade of secrecy. This is classified in order to have a cloak to get away with all their malicious mischief, you know. Why is it that they're good enough to see behind the curtain but you and I are not? Uh, I thought we were a constitution a republic based on a constitution where we're all supposed to be the rulers and they're supposed to be having privilege to see behind the curtain, but you and I can't. Well, that scam in order to continue to pull the wool over our eyes and manipulate their malicious mischief in secret so they can continue to use our money and our technology that they buy and all their power and influence with the government to manipulate and control the rest of us. Now, I want to make a, a brief mention to Steve Bannon. You might know that he's got this um, setup he's doing now. He's got magacoalition.com to help replace some of the down-ballot people that are not supporting Trump. So, you know, he's trying to do the best he can there. For those of you that are not familiar with it, it's magacoalition.com. You might want to check that out. He just did a, on Tuesday, he did a great presentation for the Black Americans for a Better Future Summit. And you might want to check that. I've noticed it on C-SPAN, Black Americans for a Better Su- uh, Future Summit. And he did an excellent speech about how to uh, get everybody going again and help the entrepreneurs get capital investment and people have the right to decide for themselves. And he even went into explaining how some of these people that are in your government are using their position of power to stop gap you out. He's a better speaker than I am by far. It'd be great to get him on the show here. Anyway, that's what I got to say for right now. I think this Al and all this sex stuff is just basically a distraction while they try to run roughshod over us because, oh, yeah, concealed carry um, handgun legislation, the new Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, H.R. 38, and then the Fixed Nicks Act, H.R. 4477, is in the mix, too, this next two weeks. So we might need to get, you know, focused. Back to you, R.Z. All right. Thank you, John. Now, I could spend a bunch of time commenting on Sideshow Al and Poetic Justice and everything else, and there's one thing that I'm going to point out about his little speech, not speech, situation. He referenced his winning his first election for Senate by 312 votes. Okay? Just to set the record straight, is that the election fell within the required parameters for a recount. And at that point, the legal wrangling began. And at that time, the Secretary of State here in Minnesota was a guy by the name of Mark Ritchie. 
Mark Ritchie's only distinguished credentials was that he was a member of the George Soros SOS project, Secretary of State project. 312 votes that were mysteriously found in the trunk of a car in Minneapolis, oddly enough, corresponded exactly to the number of convicted felons that voted in the city of Minneapolis proper. So what you have there is Sideshow Al was elected by a member of the Soros Secretary of State program and then those votes should have been negated anyway because they were cast illegally. So with that being said, I see I have another hand popping up here before we move on to the next thing. And it is our feisty Floridian. Hi, I wasn't going to do this, but when I got in here and I started hearing y'all talking about this, you know me and my mouth, I've got to say something. Okay, people, let's look at this. The sexual abuse allocations are now taking the place of the race card. Understand that. Do you have no idea how many of the businessmen that and business women for that part, as much as that goes, that I have as clients have called me all week long, what do we do about this if it happens to us? Should we go ahead and call the classes, the sexual abuse classes, and let them do the films and watch the films, and you come in and you explain to them the difference between right and wrong when you're interacting with one of the opposite sex? This is what it's coming to. They are afraid. They are getting to the point where they're afraid to talk to female employees. They are afraid to have male inter- interact, their male employees interact with the female employees simply because of the sexual abuse charges. It is out of control. I am not saying that these women did not have this going on. What am I? What I'm saying is, when it happens, you don't wait years and years and years before you start screaming about it. Look, if I've ever had a problem with a male employee trying to come on to me, if he's married, if he's got a girlfriend, if he's got a fiance, you come to my office, you sit down, I'm calling them and telling them right now what you're doing. I don't put up with that shit. There is a way in your own in your own purview to handle situations like this. But you don't freaking wait until the end of time to start screaming about it. It makes you look like a liar. Now, I've got to go traveling next week. I've got to go as far as Alabama. I've got to go down the state of Florida. I've got to go to a few places in Georgia to set and give these classes to these people 
on the difference between what is right and what is wrong in the workplace and the ramifications. I've got to go back and rework handbooks and include in the employee handbooks a no-no and what the ramifications are. But I am putting a time restriction on it. Have you ever in your life seen anything like this? No. This is a part of, we talked about this, when? Last year? We talked about the do's and don'ts and what you can and can't do in the workplace. And you remember I told you that you can't even look a member of the opposite sex in the face, in the eye, if you do. Good God. It's come to this. I don't care who started it. But what I'm saying is very plain and simply this. If you are a woman who has been violated, feel like you've been violated, don't wait decades to talk about it. You go and you take care of it right then. We bring you in. We have the conversation. We see what's going on, and we fix it. That's all i got to say, Dad. All right, kiddo. Let me put you back into the uh, Twilight Zone here whilst we go on to our next little bout of insanity. Now, this happened here in the great state of Minnesota this week. And let me play this for you. And you will see how far the insanity, which is our lives in the current age, has gone. Okay. We all have white privilege. We don't know what it's like to not have it because we do. We go everywhere and we're just, we have that. We, we don't know the difference. We don't know what it's like to not have it. And I said, we can't do, what, look at who's up here. We can't move forward as all being people of white privilege. We can't because we don't know the difference of not having it. Because I'm white, you think I was privileged my whole life? Are you kidding? I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. When they came here, my grandfather came. They didn't speak English, but they assimilated. But I, I, but I resent that you think that I had white privilege. Everybody I work for or with is usually from another country. And they say to me, Here's what they say, is we as Americans don't realize, and it doesn't matter what color we are as Americans, because I believe we are all Americans, is that we are privileged to just live here. So I don't want to think that this body doesn't feel that um, they can't represent people because they're white. And that, again, to me is just saying, I'm different because of color. No, I might be different because of culture, because of tradition, but those are the things that I think I always ask when I, because I work with these people, I ask about their country, I ask about their families, I ask how, how it is, how they feel about America, all of that. That's how you get to know somebody. That's how you get to understand where they come from and where their opinions come from. But I don't think that you can make such a broad brush and say that we've all been privileged or that we don't understand because we're white. You are the exact reason we need this, this commission. If you don't understand white privilege, 
then you are not representing those people. You're not willing to listen to them. And what you have just said is the most racist, excuse me, don't you ever, ever accuse me of that. You have no basis to say something like that in public and no basis to that, say something like that. Then let me let me rephrase it. That statement was one of the most racist things I've ever heard. What statement? That you that you are offended by the fact that you're not feeling the the white privilege thing. White privilege exists and it is something that we need to accept in this country. In you don't have to, in your You're opinion. interrupting me, and by well, golly, I'm running you know this meeting. We're on camera, I'm and running you're accusing this. me of something pretty big here. I, yep, and I, I it's unacceptable, because you have no case. But you're out of order. You're, you're out, out of order. order. No, I have basis for it based on what you just said. No, you don't. Well, because you said hi to Bernard, you understand? Oh, excuse me, I work with the, I probably know many more people of color than you do, and I work with them, so I do not so want to have this argument with you, but you are you're out, of, out line, of order. And you're out of line. Okay, fine. Let me just say this, that the discussion I just heard now makes me so angry. I'm shaking. You refuse to understand how other people in this community feel. How do you it, but you refuse how do because, I refuse? Because you're you're obviously not gonna support this. You're obviously not gonna support this. And what you're doing You don't know what I'm gonna support. But I have a quit opinion. interrupting me. You're accusing me of things that are wrong. Quit interrupting me. I'm gonna finish my statement. Me. What I heard was a racist statement. What I heard was a racist statement. No. You're just crediting. I'm, God damn, Gina, I'm passionate about this. I'm so passionate about hearing the all sides of the story and for you to disregard the fact that white privilege exists is beyond me. All right, so there you go. Now what you have here is a perfect freaking example of the insanity that possesses this country right now. When you have the, the woman who was proclaiming the existence of white privilege being the mayor of New Brighton, Minnesota, and accusing other people of being racist, another white person, as it, as it actually went on. And I'll re-put the uh, YouTube link back in the chat room. This is how far it's gone. And and this is the this is the extent that it that it now has corrupted society that you have a middle-aged white woman accusing people of racism. 
and she's so passionate about it that she's shaking. Well, as we all know, these this sort of victim politics is exactly what drives the victimhood groups. It drives BLM. It drives the LGBTQQAPXYZs. It drives all that because it's not that they they wouldn't have a movement if it wasn't for morons like this who have been programmed and are so sensitive that their only response when somebody points out that they're obviously held and closely held worldview may not be correct, they immediately go into a nervous breakdown. So, let's start with that great soldier of Odin. Soldier. Oh, good Lord. I mean, it's like... You're from Minnesota. You just put a bag over your, your over your head. I mean, it's just if if anyone was at my show last week, I did the show was on 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 mental health in America, <laughs> talking about the mentally ill. Well, that's that's been mental illness right there showcased, <laughs> and and in the 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 fact of the matter is 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 this is just testament of what it's like to live in in America now we we talk about dirty politicians and we talk about you know losing our form of government and trouncing on the constitutional it all goes back to the fact that we've got blooming idiots in this country who elect the likes of Al Franken into office and blooming idiots in New Brighton, which of course is is in the Twin Cities here, um, idiots like this mayor of their town. You know, a lot of people listening to the show have never been to Minnesota, don't know that much about Minnesota, but you know, it's it's like this. Or if I can explain it this way, it's it's kind of like if you ever watch one of the YouTubes of when when we were in the Iraq war and the the bands would go over to play for the troops okay disturbed would go over there and play a concert uh five finger death punch would go over and play a concert and you'd see this sea of 5 6 7 8000 troops out there soldiers or marines whatever out there all massed okay so it minnesota's like this sea of these troops out there and then what you do is you right into the middle of that sea of troops you lower like the village people okay you 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 that's minneapolis inside of this state and you know as well as i do rz this this mayor of new brighton could could certainly qualify as the mayor of Minneapolis. I mean, they, they all sound the same. They've all been to the same indoctrination camp. It's the same BS. It's the same, I hate myself because I'm white. I hate myself because we've, we've, we've done so much to minorities in this country because they listen to, 
you know, a tape of some Berkeley professor sometime. And, uh, I mean, it, I listened, that's the first time I've heard that. And I, I listened to what that woman said. I can't, was that a city council woman? Was that, is, was she on the city council? Was that the the other gal that was talking? The the mayor was the one having the purpleptic fit. Yep. And then it was another city council member who okay. fetched her up sharply. I mean, I thought I the city councilwoman her 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 discussion there. I mean, I I thought it was very rational. I mean, I think I mean she didn't go on the attack. She didn't. I thought it was very rational, and I mean, this this was absolute irrational behavior. It is, it's absolutely like you said. This is what is wrong with this country. This is what is going on everywhere. But the the fact of the matter is, Minnesota is technically flyover territory. Okay, this is the heart of the Midwest. You know, you got people out there that are sick and tired of this kind of cancer that comes out of these urban centers. I mean, I am absolutely fed up with the state of Minnesota, you know, falling victim to this cesspool of Minneapolis. I'm sick of the the people of Illinois are sick of having to fall to the cesspool of Chicago. People in Wisconsin are sick of Madison being their capital. Look look at Texas. My God, Austin is a cesspool. And, you know, it's going to come to a head someday. It's just going to come to a head because you've got, you mentioned Al Franken, never run for political office in his life. His first, the first office he ever ran for was United States Senator. Okay, it's probably the, the second highest level position in this country, maybe third after Supreme Court Justice. And he wins because he was on Saturday Night Live. And I'd, and I'd like to point out to everybody, since we were talking about Franken earlier, that, that Franken lost the election to Norm Coleman. Okay, When the vote was done on election night, Al Franken lost to Norm Coleman. But, as you pointed out, it was close enough for a recount. And then Al, with his stolen ballots, with his with his with his with the votes of the felons pulled it out by 312 votes but bottom line is th- these are all symptoms of absolutely an electorate out there that are absolute sheep absolute sheep and i can't i can't imagine anybody living in the city of new brighton that has to sit around now and have people across the country listen to their mayor. I mean, if if she wasn't recalled, if she isn't recalled by the end of next week, I would be amazed. I mean, I would be amazed if she got recalled because it's New Brighton. But bottom line is, I, I don't know how you can even walk in public now having a mayor like that. So anyway, all I got. All right, thank you, Holger, and on to the Gooch. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of said this. I would have been laughing, number one, and I'm 
I'm kind of mad that nobody ever accuses me to my face when I'm off the clock and I don't represent either company I work for. I'm, I'm mad that nobody accuses me of uh, white privilege. I would love it. I would welcome that debate. Uh, you know, being a male Cherokee lesbian, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, oppressed every day uh, simply because I, you know, I have to walk around, uh, you know, looking at some of these women, you know, they're wearing their yoga pants and they just, they just don't know that, you know, the distraction is just overwhelming. It's almost too much for me some days. And uh, I, I literally have to walk around blindfolded. Um, but that being said, I, I feel like these people, again, I can't trust them because it's like everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie. They may have deceived themselves. This lady crying, uh, can't you see how offensive you are to deny the fact of global warming or, 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 or white privilege or, 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 you know, income disparity or, you know, the pay gap or whatever. They've deceived themselves. But, again, this is crocodile tears. I, 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 give, the, I give the left a lot of credit because I think they're smarter than what they let on because they certainly know how to coagulate and come together and actually get something done. That's what I'm scared of. You know, they, they might, they might harbor, you know, deep resentment towards each other, but the one thing they've got in common is they're not a Republican. That's why they were able to do something so big like Obamacare this last time. They, they knew their shit was together. They had a very brief window to get something done and they did it. And our guys can't even get a tax cut through, uh, let alone repeal Obamacare. This is white privilege is a, it's another script that the left puts out. Um, it's total horseshit. You know, uh, I'm not walking around with a bank account because I'm white. You know, I'm certainly not uh, given a discount at restaurants. Um, you know, if I speed, I still get a speeding ticket from another white guy. I'm not getting out of that. Um, but it is, it, it's a useful vehicle. And it's it's another tool that the left has to to marshal everybody who is not male, uh, not white. Uh, you know, it's okay if they're straight as long as they toe the line. It's 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 another tool to you know get the identity groups uh, in a loose corral come voting time, and then they can go back to doing whatever they do for the next four years as long as we get a you know an expanded national government. Um, I just wish somebody would confront me on the street uh, or maybe Starbucks will go back into that mode where they urge their employees to start a conversation with every customer you have. I would love that. Okay. (laughs) Because I would tell them, you know, the real world, it doesn't give a damn what you look like. And in fact, they, uh, they're going to see if they can get you the absolute lowest price for whatever your skill happens to be. Um, let's look at the privilege of people who uh, cite something in the Constitution that's not even there, like they've got a right to health care. No, you don't have any right to health care. You don't have a right to education. Let's, let's call that ward of the state privilege. Okay, Let, let's call that parasite privilege. And, and the parasites in this country come in all colors and all genders. Ha-ha. Um, so, <laughs> no, white, white privilege is garbage. Um, if anything, you know, we've got adult daycare privilege. And it happens to be, sadly, it's, it's more people than we think. 
uh, I would confront this every chance I get. If only somebody would walk up to me and say that I benefit from white privilege, I would love to take somebody on on that. Check my bank accounts. Okay, I, I never got a break anywhere. I've done business because I was white. I can tell you that right now. So back to you, boss. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gooch. And no way. Well, you know, this. if we look right here, right now, what we're seeing in this crybaby liberal that just cannot understand how a person of wisdom and knowledge cannot see the white privilege. But the only white privilege that this useful idiot Snowflake sees is what was indoctrinated into her. Remember, these are the 20 to 30-year-olds now. These are the ones we're seeing pushing this narrative. And as Gooch said, they are all, they all seem to be organized. Why? Why? Because when you take back in the late 80s into the early 90s, when these kids were all being born and coming into kindergarten, they were raised up through what? Unions. This is when unions hit. This is when the Department of Education went right full bore out of D.C. onto the state's Board of Education, and then they took over the school boards. Now, this is the result of what we see. These kids have been told from day one, America is bad. There is racism in America. This is the racism. There is white supremacy in America. There is white privilege. There is this. There, And it is pounded day in, grade after grade after grade. Now, when you have the ones that are falling, and they'll repeat everything they're told every day, those are the ones the teachers pick up, and they help get right through the journalist schools, get right into these little newspapers and your local news and they're the the journalists and the anchor and they cannot understand how nobody else can see what they can see they have the illusion that they are educated but they are dumbed down they are uneducated they are indoctrinated they do not see logic they only know that these professors are the professionals they are the most knowledgeable that's why they are professors in our colleges to teach. Your parents do not know. And trust me, this does come out in these colleges every day. These kids are told that your parents do not know what they are talking about unless they agree and bow down to the snowflakes. These kids, everything is offensive to them. Everything. Why? Because that's your participation trophy. When they are eight, nine years old getting a trophy just for playing and joining the team, once they graduate from high school, they do not know what it's like to be told no. They do not know what it's like to fail. They do not know what it's like to lose. So they cannot handle it. Emotionally and Mentally, they cannot handle being told no. They cannot handle losing because, well, the, the professors that know everything told me I can't lose. You cannot do this to me. You cannot disagree with me because I'm educated and you're not. 
And that's truly how they believe. And this is a problem because, as we see, the more and more that Trump wins, so to say, and the left is being torn apart, and the policies that the left demanded get rammed down our throats are being dismantled, they are getting more violent, they are getting more aggressive, they are getting more to the point of they will destroy you by any means necessary. And this is where we have to look out because they're being set up. Remember, they're going to have all winter long to be indoctrinated, to be inflamed, to be enraged, to be dumbed down some more to the point of you're oppressed because of A, B, and C. And that's what these kids are getting right now. Because there's a big fight coming next summer, all summer long, and that's setting up for the primaries. Who's going to be in control of government? And because there's so much coming at us all at once, all this came about with these younger gener- this younger generation, because remember, this is the time of Clinton. We were more concerned about him having oral sex in the White House than we were what they were truly doing behind the scenes. And that's how it works. We need to stay vigilant and stay away from that kind of conversations that they want us to have and look at the true result of what is coming out of D.C. and the result on civilization. Because it's our youth, ladies and gentlemen, that are going to take over this country. But they're not going to get what they think. They're going to get nothing but servitude to masters like George Soros and whoever follows in his footsteps. That's who will be ruling over them. They will not be ruling this country. So seeing that uh, I'm going to be jumping over to my network and I messed things up tonight, I'm going to have to drop out of everything here to get into the other one. But that's what I have on this. And, hey, hopefully we can all continue this on at 10 o'clock over on my network. So uh, hopefully see you there, RZ and John and Gooch and everyone else. Uh, So good night. All right. Well. Get your links in the chitty chat room, and we'll find you in a little bit. And off to John. Hey, man. You know, this is a good show. Everybody's hitting some really good and important points. And, I mean, nobody nailed it there. Our youth is going to take over. They're the future. And if we're not preparing our youth, then what do we expect to inherit? You know, I struggle with a lot of these same issues. I mean, for 230 years since the Constitution was enacted, codified, and ratified, we've had the same over and over again. People who want to run for office, run for office. We can't pick good people if good people don't run, and then you don't even know if the people who are running are good, because it's proven throughout at least the last 60 or 70 years that I can tell that they all tell you all these great things, lie through their teeth while they're on the campaign mode, and then when they get into office, they turn into a dictator, as if all we get to do is elect dictators for over us. And I'm like going, the founding of our Constitution, apparently the educational breakdown on how the people that get elected to office were supposed to represent their constituents in the true you know, spirit of what representation means, but so many people 
get arguing about words that we all have different definitions about, and it whether we want to call them white privilege or or whatever. I mean, to a certain degree, I mean, I don't know if it was because I was white. I mean, yeah, I got privilege. I got to go out with the girls I wanted to go out with. I got to get in on the jobs I wanted to get in with. But you know what? A lot of my black friends, whenever we were hanging out together and we would go out together, I could see the I was getting privileged over them. But that did. But it was it because I was white, or did you know? Was it just because I had more money, or dope, or what? You know, or nicer car, or who knows? Maybe it was just because I was a hunk and they just thought I was better looking. I don't know. It's just like when Trish was talking about the women and and the manipulation there. Well, if there's any proof in, you know, history repeating itself, well, women, you better look out. Because if it's white privilege today, in 15 years, it's going to be women privilege. Because they won't be able to gripe about racism and, and white privilege anymore. It'll be women privilege you're going to gripe about. So we all get caught up in our own definitions of what the words mean, and we lose the spirit and essence of really what the foundation of the arguments are, in my opinion. And we get distracted on these little rabbit trails and never actually get any good, solid foundation changes happening where we can have a country that's unified where people do have liberty and independence and freedom, and you're able to self-govern in order to ensure that your pursuit of happiness is is more insured and so these are very important issues and i'm not sure put it this way i believe the answers come from all of us working together and respecting the fact that we all have the right to choose how whatever it is governs us burdens and encumbrances because it doesn't matter if you're from a different faith than me or you're from a different psychological or philosophy philosophy than me or political position if the system has checks and balances that we all agree that it will bring forth a uh, fair or what we seem is reasonable outcome or an outcome that, you know, the, the system is set up where all the phases and steps don't show favoritism to any party, but they give us all the right, just like the freedom of contract. It's based on mutual assent. As long as every party gets to decide for themselves whether they're in or not, it's a pretty easy thing to figure out, but it gets a lot more convoluted when you look at the details of all this stuff that we have to deal with Congress and most of the people I meet, even even in this show, that I meet people on the street and in the other situations, it's really hard to do what our founding freedom fighters did during those 11 years between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and they understood the society that they were living in at that point in time had a whole lot of people that were still plantation owners and still believed in slavery, even though the spirit of the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, and that, you know, in, you know, at the very first part of the Declaration, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another they assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them that right there in itself talks about a people group divorcing themselves from each other from the political bands that had held them together that references to the point that all of us are equal and each one of us get to decide whether we are part of this political banding or not and so I mean, it just gets frustrating when the media and all of the uh, different outlets get 
us pointed and focused on things that aren't really going to help us solve our problems. But all this stuff is very important we talked about tonight. I just hope that we we were able to figure out how to have conducive dialogue for an outcome that maintains our independence, our freedom, our liberty, and our harmony. Back to you, RZ. All right. Thank you, John. Now, I had from Lionel, and we've played his stuff before, and it's about the Mueller investigation, but we don't really have enough time to either play the clip or get to it. So what I want to do is take a minute to talk about what's up at the top of the page. Now, if you get up there, you will see a comment that I found. I believe it was in Zero Hedge. And it goes as such. My old grandpa said to me, Son, there comes a time in every man's life when he stops busting knuckles and starts busting caps. And it's usually when he becomes too old to take a whooping. I don't carry a gun to kill people. Carry it a gun. I carry a gun to keep from being killed. I don't carry a gun because I'm evil. I carry a gun because I've lived long enough to see the evil in the world. I don't carry a gun because I hate the government. I carry a gun because I understand the limitations of government. I don't carry a gun because I'm angry. I carry a gun so that I don't have to spend the rest of my life hating myself for failing to be prepared. Because I want to shoot someone. I carry a gun because I want to die at a ripe old age in my bed and not on a sidewalk somewhere tomorrow afternoon. I don't carry a gun to make me feel like a man. I carry a gun because men know how to take care of themselves and the ones they love. I don't carry a gun because I feel inadequate. I carry a gun because unarmed and facing three-armed thugs, three-armed thugs, I am inadequate. Get or not, and believe it or not, these are legitimate things that we need to consider. And whether it was real or not, or whether, you know, the guy's old grandpa actually said to him, son, there comes a time in every man's life when he stops busting knuckles and starts busting caps. It's usually when he becomes too old to take a whooping. When you see what goes on around us on a daily basis, all of a sudden the wisdom of these words starts to come forth. Now, I believe, as I've said many times, that 
my right to protect myself, my property, and my family comes from a power greater than myself. You may call it God. I don't involve myself in those discussions because everybody has their own deal and I'm not going to get wired into that. Not my thing. I believe that the Bill of Rights was put where it was in order to codify the nature of innate rights. Rights that were given to us by our Creator and to instruct the government the so-called rule of law about what they can and cannot do does not have, in my mind, the right to tell me where and where not I may protect myself. Therefore, when the Second Amendment says that my right to bear arms shall not be infringed upon, I take that seriously. I take it seriously enough to the point where I don't think that anybody, anybody's rights should be impinged upon unless they've proven themselves and have been convicted in a court of law of not being able to do that, not able to do just that. Obama made a point of talking about the Bill of Rights being and the Constitution being negative. And it is negative in the point where it prohibits the government from impinging on our rights. You know, when we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, and I have that right. It was endowed to me by my Creator. And And I have the right to liberty, and my rights to that liberty are not negotiable. You can't take them from me because they are mine. There is a chance that through coercion or ineptitude or whatever it is that we have a tendency to give our rights up. And the pursuit of happiness, that pursuit was defined 
in the early days of our country as the ability to pursue property. Whether that property be your car, your land, abilities, these are the things inalienable, not able to be taken. They are yours. You have the capacity, should you decide to, to give them up. And there are a great many people who give those things up voluntarily. Their rights for a paycheck, as Gooch pointed out time and time again. They will give up their they will give up their rights by actions they have taken and they are responsible for. They'll give up their rights a lot of times for the most foolish reasons of all. You know, the free shit army grows and grows and grows. And they give up their rights. And they give up the most important rights of them all. The rights to provide for themselves. To not have to jump through the hoops of playing the game. To acquire the ill-gotten gains that the government takes from you at the point of a gun. I'm not willing to give these things up. And nor do I believe that any of you here and any of you that, you know, enjoy the HOV network and this program and the other programs on the HOV network, I believe that you are the same that you will not give up your rights for money. You will not give up your rights for a paycheck. You will not give up your rights because of doing some damn fool thing. But if things continue the way they have, there is a fair chance that we will have to defend those rights, which speaks to the line, carry a gun, because I hate the government. I carry a gun because I understand the limitations of government. And that... is the great equalizer. Because should they decide that you no longer have the right to defend yourself, your family, and your property, you're going to have to make a decision. 
And the decision I've come to is that should that day come and I'm able, I'm going to look them square in the eye. And ask them one simple question. Do you believe in the rights that have been given to you by God? I'll give you a chance to leave me in peace. And then I'm going to turn around and shut the door. And then as a free man, I'll make the next decision. We can discuss this more, and we probably will. But for now, guys, get on over to No Way Show. I'll be there as soon as I get things tidied up here. And until we talk again next week, I'll be your boy. Do something fun. Go to a wrestling match. Watch a movie. And do something that doesn't require you to think. For just a little bit. And with that, we'll say goodnight. Peace out, y'all. We'll come back next week. And with any amount of luck, I may have a little bit of news about Spreaker. Later.